Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the show, we have a new episode every Monday and Thursday streaming on the Charisma Podcast Network.com. You can also download the Charisma Plus app. You can find all of our shows on there. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere that podcasts are listened to, Audible, and you can tap in there. There's hundreds of hours of free content for you to tap into. You can also go to our website, www.lifeportoutintl.org to find out more about our ministry. Also find me on social media, Michael Lombardo LPO. And you could, you know, there's tons of free content on there. You could follow my life, my family's life. And it is our desire to see the church awakened. Ephesians 514, awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The Lord is breathing upon our hearts, waking us up from our slumber, revealing to us who who we are, who he is, what he has done so that we can truly walk it out in the earth. And so it is my joy to speak to amazing people from around the world, as well as just come on with you guys and break open the scriptures. Thank you so much for those who are always tuning in constantly. I've gotten great feedback from many of you, um, emails, messages saying how much you've been blessed by the show. I take that very seriously. It is an honor to me. Thank you so much for tuning in, for spreading the word, for using the different episodes for Bible studies and and for small groups and for spreading the word to fam- family members and friends and um, and posting it on social media and for liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing the podcast. It's a huge blessing. It enables us to get it out to more people around the world. And today I have a very special guest in the studio. He is a buddy of mine from Bible school days. His name is Gabriel Castaño. Welcome, bro. It's good to be with you. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, man. This is my buddy, Gabriel. We uh, we go way back. We've got a lot of stories to tell, which we will not share all of them here <laughs> right now of hours and hours of content, but he is now the academic dean and he is a teacher at Christ for the Nations Institute where we met back in 2009, I believe, 2008. Yep. First semester was uh, fall 2009. So fall of 2009, dude. And so, yeah, man, we've been close friends for a while. He was the he was my best man at my wedding. Yes, yeah, sir. And so this is this is my dude right here. That's right. And so he has a heart for discipleship, equipping believers, a heart for missions. Um, he's he's very special to me. And um, anyways, I just I love this guy. I remember the first time I saw him, he was actually we we're at Christ for the Nations. He was it was in the lunchroom, and he was sitting with a few different people, and he was just expounding on the deep things of God. This guy was just like <laughs> unpacking revelation, and I'm like newly saved, and I just want like the right friends. Like I was. You know, it was all about popularity and friends and partying and all this stuff, you know, before I got saved. Then I went to Bible school, my face like Flint, like I need the, <laughs> I'm not about popularity. I'm not going to try to be the coolest guy in this school. I just want Jesus friends. Right. And I saw this guy expounding on the mysteries of God. And I was just like, wow, that's some revelation right there. I'm like, I'm going to be this guy's friend, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> One of few people that d- made a made a decision and made it happen. <laughs> I went for it. There's a few times yeah. I pursued him. I'm like, hey, bro, whatever, whatever. You can tell he was just not interested in being my friend at first. It was fantastic. <laughs> just being real raw on the podcast today, yeah. just so people know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all go through things, right? So <laughs> you were just like, "Who's this little dude from New Jersey? Not interested. I just want Jesus." Yeah, it's it's interesting how sometimes you can think in your pursuit of God that people can interfere with that mm-hmm. as though they're not a critical piece to it. <laughs> so I was kind of the guy that decided to go to Bible school to not talk to people and yeah. and just get alone. I just want to be alone with the Lord and uh-huh. just you know yeah. all I want is alone time, consecration. You know, and I'm um, I'm grateful that. Uh, <laughs> you, you you didn't you didn't uh give in not, when i was when i was giving you some blocks i was not faint-hearted in my pursuit i was like this guy will be my friend and to this day bro we were roommates at one point yep. second Dude. year whole year 
whole year, man. And so, anyways, it is my joy to have him on. When I did Awaken Live in the Facebook format years ago, Gabe come on. He came on with me one time. But we're, this is probably going to be a two parter here, um, and we're just going to dive into something that I feel like is absolutely essential. This has been um, a huge part of Gabe's heart, and God has been um, giving him a lot of revelation on this. And so. We want to dive into being a peacemaker and dive into kind of, I'll just break down a little bit like the state of things and kind of where we feel like the Lord needs to draw the church. And anyway, before we get into that subject matter today, I really want to ask, like I ask all my guests, man, who's, who's Gabriel Castaño, man? How did you encounter the Lord? I know you have a radical testimony, like, like myself coming from a pretty dark past, a rough past. So tell us how the Lord captured your heart, man. Yeah. My story is a little interesting, especially after making the statement that I'm the academic dean at Christ for the Nations because in that we met there because I was actually born there, not like physically on the campus, but my, my dad moved down to take a position there Mm -hmm. when my mom was pregnant with me. So you would think that in such a kind of radical Christian environment that all would go well and you'd be set up for kind of the most godly life you could, you could possibly live. But that definitely was not my story. Um, my my family got ravaged pretty harshly following a, a massive stroke that my dad had, mm. uh, which led to just a lot of crises of faith and uh, questions, you know, and just, you know, un, unanswered questions, really. And then just a lot of fallout with different uh, Christian people that, uh, especially when you live in a healing environment where your physical reality doesn't line up with people's theology. Yeah. So it just created a lot of a lot of issues which eventually kind of snowballed years later into my parents being divorced. And um all the while I was always kind of the troublemaker kid. Yeah. Growing up, I was known for that on the campus. I was I was known for that for every school that I went to. I kind of say laughingly, but actually very truly. Um beginning with second grade, I was suspended every every grade that I attended. And in fourth grade, I was put on permanent in-school suspension in the principal's office. And, Mm. you know, so literally I went to school in the principal's office, had a desk there. They wouldn't even let me be in the general population. That's how much trouble I was. A rebel in fourth grade. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I didn't, they wouldn't let me out until fifth grade where they made me do a public apology to the entire student body. And, uh, which I did and (laughs) learn something new every day. Yeah, Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. And, you know, by, uh, by seventh grade, I was getting into, you know, little knuckleheaded gang activity within my school, doing doing different things, and and got put on a, uh, uh, like a I was suspended for twelve for two weeks for carrying a knife and um, just other misbehaviors, and was warned that if I any other infraction would result in an expulsion. So I got, uh, what I wound up doing is I, in my science class, I had a teacher named Mr. Panic and there's a comicalness to this now, but, uh, we were doing dissection, dissecting frogs. And so I took the scalpel that I was using with the frog, I actually dropped the blade out. So, but it, it didn't appear to be that way. And I, and I came up behind a friend of mine and just kind of played with him, put it put it to his throat but the but the teacher came around the corner at that time and he just yells out that's it that's the last draw you're going to be expelled and he starts going towards the phone and i was like oh wait no like i wanted to explain the situation and i and i went after him and then he saw me coming with a scalpel in my hand and just yeah. started running around and 
And uh, so I, I make the joke now that I wound up getting expelled for making Mr. Panic panic <laughs> because I, it, once I saw that he was scared, I actually got in between him and the phone and was just kind of, you know, doing that little <laughs> Yo, standoff crazy, with him. Dude. You're crazy, dude. Yeah. So, you know, but that was I only bring that up because I was a troublemaker, but there was still somewhat of an innocence at that point. But when I got expelled, I was sent to a, a school, a behavioral school that was for troubled youth. And actually wound up getting expelled from there as well. When I got expelled from there, I was institutionalized. And when I was institutionalized, that was an entirely different reality. It's almost like uh, a less locked down version of jail. But mm-hmm. you're with criminals. You're with hardcore people uh, and of all ages. I mean, I was 14. Yeah. You, got, you got 21-year-olds in there, you know, tatted up, gang, hardcore gang members, just... Mm-hmm. And it was in there that I realized that people would hurt you for no reason. And really, uh, I think it was in it was in that first time that I was locked up, because there were many times that followed where I, my heart darkened because I I had to go to another level in order to not be terrorized by like predatorial people. Like it was it was it was really there was a big shift then. And I think what it what what happened was that it really motivated me because my first few months there i felt like the runt like the kid that was getting picked on and all that and Mm -hmm. so it's almost like uh, i wanted to flip the script and and become the stronger person so then i i I pursued that kind of lifestyle that mentality and what that led to was a a criminal street life for the next 10 years and um and i was you know, so I said I was 14 when that first happened. So about, so at the age of 24, you know, I was probably in one of the darkest places of my life and just felt like, you know, the world is, is just evil. Like there's nothing here for me. And I was kind of losing that last bit of last bit of hope. And here comes my dad on September 11, 2004, inviting me to go to a church for his birthday because his birthday's on September 11th. So he's like, I don't ask you for anything. All I want is for you to go to church. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll go to church with you. And so I went to church off of this kind of pleading invitation from my dad. And, uh, you know, as only God can set up, I just had this most unexpected encounter with him. Um, there was a series of services that followed that week and I, and there was a draw that kind of started that September 11th, um, that opened me up enough to be willing to come back for these series of services that were happening, which I did. And the last service was on September 18th in 2005. And, um, and I knew that the Lord was calling me. And I knew like just over that process, I don't remember much of what the te- the preacher said yeah. other than um, that the first night he said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul longs for you, God. I remember him saying that. And I remember him saying, my hope for me being here is that some of you would be changed and never be the same. And uh, awesome. I remember that because that th- that word really opened my heart up and it, it it came to articulate where my heart was at. I didn't know that my soul was thirsting for God, but it but over the um over the course of those sessions that it became clear. 
And so I made a decision in the last session, which instead of him preaching a message, he actually said, I'm just going to give opportunity for testimony. And I felt that what I now know was the Holy Spirit prompting me to get up and say something, but I didn't want to because I'm not a church guy. I don't yeah. have you know much context for this, and I don't want to be vulnerable in front of people. Like That's the last thing I want to do. Sure. Uh, but I did, I came to, he said, anybody else? And I got up and I said something and I just, I said, you know, I feel like the Lord's touched my life and now it's, it's made, you know, that it's going to be a change. And I already knew that. But when I said that he pulled me to the side afterwards and he just takes oil and he said, they're watching, but this is between you, me and God. And then he, he pours oil over my head and he spoke the word of the Lord. And it was, it was so, I thought I had already come to the point of change, but that word from God, which was so specific to things that were unique to the secrets of my heart, you know, that uh, scripture in first Corinthians 14 that says when the unbeliever comes into the church and he hears you prophesying, he will fall to his knees and, oh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and declare that God is in you of a truth because, you know, the secrets of his heart are made, being made known that that's what happened to me. And, um, and at the same time that he's speaking the word of the Lord, and I remember one thing that specifically said, he said, it will feel at times my son. And he just started speaking this. And when I heard God claim me as son, that was like, son, like what? Like, how do you go from rebel to son in a moment of time? Like, I remember it just so marked me him saying that, but at the same time, the word was coming, the spirit was coming on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I walked out a totally different human being and my trajectory of life has been completely different since that time. Dude, I love that, man. Well, yeah. it's, it's interesting because, you know, for those who have listened a lot, they know my story, but when I encountered the presence of God for the first time, he said, son, I have plans for your life. And I thought, son, but I, I, I hated you, you yeah. know, but I was, I was so sinful and I, I told people not to serve you in youth group. And yeah. I was everything I did. I wanted to be the opposite of what you stood, what, what you stand for, who you are, God, like, you know, like my heart was, but then he said, I have plans for your life. And I, I allowed those words to be truth to my heart mm-hmm. and it was absolutely transformative, changed my life forever. And, um, dude, I just love where God's taken you, man. And I love your story and just how the prophetic word just shifted the course of your life, bro. Right. There's something about the word of the Lord that your heart clung to. And thank God for that man's obedience and calling you out and being led by the Holy Spirit. It's such a, um, such a powerful thing, bro. It is, especially if you grown up in or around a Christian circle, because for me, what my experience with Christianity had really made me to conclude was that one, it was weak. And then two, it was, it it was hypocritical, you know, Mm -hmm. because I just saw either weak Christianity or hypocritical Christianity or a combination of both. And I didn't want a part of either. Um, but in that moment of time, it's like, there's this awakening that happens and you realize, and also the, just the, the theology of it really was just meaningless to me, you know, Mm because what I commonly heard was, Hey, believe on Jesus and you won't go to hell. You'll go to heaven when you die. Yeah. And for me, it was like, I don't care Yeah. because I live in hell. So you can't threaten me with something that I live in. Mm -hmm. So I don't care about where I go when I die. Like, don't tell me about hell like that. And it just was, to me, it had been reduced down to a moral code of don't do stuff that will mess you up from going to heaven when you die. Bro, that's exactly how I felt. Dude. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Christianity. I thought it was just, uh, 
You know, just go to church, wear a suit, say amen, do good, don't do bad, and you'll avoid the bad place. You'll go to the good place <laughs> right. when you die. You know what I mean? Exactly. Maybe just help you live a moral life, a good life or whatever. And that's how I viewed God. That's how I viewed Christianity. You know, people would say you could hear from God and people would say, oh, he changed my life. He broke addiction off me. I would hear those stories, but it wasn't real to me because I never experienced those things. Right. And so it was it wasn't until I heard the voice of God. I felt the presence of God. It was a genuine encounter. I saw Jesus for who he truly is. Right. That my heart was absolutely changed. Yeah. And it makes all the difference because even though you wouldn't say like I got a new theology at that moment, I, I did. It was a living theology because in receiving the word of the Lord. It immediately bears witness to the fact that he's alive, he's well, he knows you by name, yeah, and he's calling you to himself now in a living fellowship to walk out now, and that the plan, and that it's not about heaven, you know, when you die, though that is the holding place for believers, but it's about the resurrection, it's about the newness and fullness of life, which. The, the power of decay is in this world. So if the demonstration isn't in this world, um, you know, we're really missing something. And yeah. the whole New Testament testifies to the mm. distinguishing factor of God's people is God in the midst of them, interacting with them, living with them, living among them. And it is so blatantly the whole of Scripture it's amazing how powerful tra man's tradition can be to totally rob that power from even being able to see it. And it was in that moment that it was like, oh my goodness, like I can walk with God. Yeah. I can live with God. He can make his mind known to me. He can make his heart known to me. He can actually give me the power of his spirit. That's real tangible. You know, that's that substance. It's mm -hmm. not like have the right thought or believe the right thing until it's no God created this world. Why would he wait until yeah. you left it to bless the world now needs heaven. It doesn't need heaven when people die. It needs heaven to invade earth. And this is the, you know, I, we may be getting a little ahead here, but this is why Jesus has the kingdom of God is at hand. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's heaven now. I mean, there is a heaven then there's a tension between the already and not yet, but we got to hold to the heaven now. Yeah. It, it, it has to be the power of God. Now God in our midst now, not like, Oh, I can't wait to see him when I die. No, no, no. I, I can't wait to see him today. I know. And I can't wait to see what he looks like tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see other people see him, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, it's living stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's real deal, you know? And that's, that's, that was like, I can be a part of that. Yes, I can be a part bro. of that paradigm shift. He is our exceedingly great reward. We get him and he is tangible and he is alive yes. and he wants to communicate to us more than we want to be communicated to. And he wants to manifest himself to us more than we want to experience him. He wants us to experience him. And that's what, that's what won me. I was a drug addict. I wanted, you know, I was a pleasure seeker. I was sure. a hedonist, yeah, me too. you know, you, you as well. And so when I experienced the glory and the presence of God for the first time, dude, it was, this is greater than anything I have ever done. Any stimulant, any drug, anything. This is, 
truly in his presence there is pleasure forevermore at his right hand pleasure in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand pleasure forevermore i began to realize wow the devil has counterfeited (laughs) the glory of god and created drugs and perversion and and alcoholism and all these different things that are supposed to bring pleasure and bring joy and bring satisfaction that just break us that just destroy our lives right promises all of these things and he does not deliver it and it just it destroys us like there is we were created to know him and not just mentally it's great to have a you know have our have our theology framed up we need that proper perspective of who god is and we need to pursue that but knowledge puffs up and love edifies it's a heart-to-heart connection it's knowing him intimately and personally and that's the reason why i serve him and that's the reason why you know the apostles of old were willing to lay down their lives be burned at the stake and be filleted alive that's the reason why these guys experienced that and why the apostle paul said i'm in chains but rejoice my brethren again i say rejoice because i've got the glory of the kingdom of God. I get to taste the eternal while in this jail cell. He is with me. He is in me. You get the taste of the heavenly gift of what is to come. I get to experience that now. And so, dude, that's, that's the reason why he won my heart. Not because... You know, it was a crutch or not because it was a glimmer of hope in a hopeless moment. It was because a real God touched my heart and I know he's Jesus. Yes. Simple as that. He's Jesus. Yes. And so I want to ask you, man, I think what we're going to do is we're going to, I want to dive deeper into this right now. And then in part two, we'll get into our subject matter because bro, God's done some from the moment of salvation being reborn and filled with the Holy Spirit. God has done some redemption in your life, bro. Right. You know, you didn't graduate school and now you're an academic dean. Like, tell us how God brought so much redemption and transformation in your life after you became a believer and and began pursuing him. I feel like that's important to talk about. I love to hear it. Well, it is. And I appreciate you doing that because it was actually the reason, you know, when you said, tell me a little bit about your testimony. Mm -hmm. That's why I had to include the history with school. Yeah. Because even if we didn't get into it, I wanted at least that to be there that. He mm-hmm. did say this guy is an academic dean at a Bible school, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he that that's his background with with education. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And that is a huge uh, redemptive part of my story. In fact, I tell people it's God's redemptive humor because mm-hmm. I was I was a terror to every school I went to. I didn't care. I was never a good, uh, you know, with um uh with academics or you know getting worked i didn't care like all i cared about was socializing and Mm -hmm. doing what i wanted to do and Mm -hmm. you know that's it and so uh permanent in school suspension in elementary school half expelled halfway through middle school sent to a behavior school expelled from there and then what i didn't say was that after i got out of that institution i you know i i got involved i actually wound up getting arrested on burglary and larceny charges for stolen car and burglarizing a house and um and then uh, was put into um, juvenile detention, went to court, mm-hmm. and was sentenced to 18 months back to that, eight, that institution that I was mm-hmm. in beforehand mm-hmm. and, and served nine months of the sentence and then was paroled into high school. So I come into high school on parole out of a, uh, being incarcerated for nine months, and, and I have a uh, house arrest bracelet on my on my ankle my and God. here i am in my freshman year it, i didn't come they i was released after the freshman year had started so they put me in um special education so i'm in special education not even uh starting on time paroled house arrest and that was my last year of school <laughs> wow. because at the end 
the administration set up a meeting with me and my parents and literally said this, we don't think school is for you. We think that you should drop out and find something else to do. And we're not going to engage truancy laws if you do it. Like it's, you know, it, they're like, listen, do something else. You don't care about school. And they were right. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to hear anybody's sure. authority. Like what I've been through to that point, I didn't care about what anybody had to say. And I didn't care about school. And so I was a high school dropout. Mm-hmm. That was my story with schools. Mm-hmm. But after I got saved, I, um, you know, I got involved. I got plugged in with the church. I began to, you know, be involved there, do youth ministry, things along those lines. And I just, you know, you just seek the Lord and you just, you begin to just say, you know, God, what do you have? What does my life in you look like? You know, and what, what is the path that I begin to take? And I felt very clearly that, you know, that the Lord was telling me, I want you to reclaim education. I want you to reclaim that. So I had to, um, you know, I got my GED and then I applied to, uh, a community college and took a couple courses there. Mm. And then uh, the church that I went to was in the North end of Hartford, which is, you know, which is a, an inner city area and largely African-American. So I'm the only white guy in an, in an all black church, mm-hmm. but I loved it. You know, that was home. That's where, and that, that's kind of what I was used to. But what I learned from being there was that Hartford Seminary, which was a, a seminary that's actually a graduate. So you have to be, you have to have already gotten your degree to be able to attend there. Okay. They had mm-hmm. developed a black ministers program to help bring seminary level biblical education to the pastors in Hartford that do not have the the educational credentials to actually get into the school. So you could pay to if you were approved, you could take this the, this course and you could you could take classes with them. So, I mean, first thing I asked is, well, I'm not, I'm not the black minister, but can I, <laughs> can I enroll in this? And they're like, yeah, no, it's just, they call it that because that's why it was developed, but anybody could, could actually do it. So uh-huh. I didn't have a degree. So I'm taking these two little classes at a community college and, and I start taking some weekend classes that aren't even for credit at Hartford Seminary. And when I was there, it, um, that there was something about, learning the word like really getting into it you know and the the challenges you yeah. know, and the questions and yeah. the context and all that stuff mm-hmm. that awakened a hunger for me and i and then that's what led me to know that god was calling me to bible school and uh you know just to make a long story short you know there was a process that led me to going to christ for the nations obviously it you know there was a history there and there was some really specific reasons why i actually wound up going there uh, but in doing so, I, that's where we met. And when I graduated Christ for the nations, it is the first thing in my entire life that I completed. It was the first, the first time I ever graduated. I never completed any school. You know, it was always disruption, disruption, disruption. And so when I graduated from Christ for the nations, um, I immediately got hired in their Dean's department as the assistant Dean. Yeah. And so I started doing that, but I felt like I was supposed to keep going. So while I'm working there, I also got my undergrad. Uh, and then um, once I got my undergrad, I actually began, uh, I took a semester off and then I went on to do my master's and I completed my master's in higher education 
<laughs> with an emphasis on instruction. <laughs> so good. Dude. So now I have, you know, I have my master's degree in higher education, emphasis in instruction, and my first role after graduating was to be the assistant dean at a Bible college, which is like hysterical, God's redemptive humor. And uh because now I'm the guy that's dealing with all the troubled kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and um and then and then now ultimately I'm over academics. So it's uh so now I'm the academic dean at a Bible college. It's kind of one of those stories. I never would have thought that. It's not like when I got saved I had this vision for being, you know, involved with education. It's something that developed and in, in in kind of cultivated and grew over time. And now when I look back on the path that brought me here, it's like, wow. Anybody that only Christ could bring this about. It's such a testimony to the Lord because yeah. I, mm-hmm. it was the opposite. Anybody that knew me was like that guy, like that guy. <laughs> no, like he doesn't complete anything. He's always causing trouble. Like he's a hazard to every school. And now I'm a blessing to a school, you know? So I God can imagine, can, dude, yeah. I can imagine be one of your old buddies, just seeing what you're doing now and just being like, what in the world's happened to game? Yeah. The audio? Like yeah. what in the world dude? But that is such a testimony that God is living he is active right. and that he is in your life bringing redemption, bringing transformation, bringing freedom. I just love how God's highlighted that and made such a huge part of your destiny. And I think honestly, man, you probably had such a huge problem in school because, you know, it's 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 a it's it was a destiny piece in your life to be doing what you're doing and the enemy tried to really attack that area of your life. And you may have a different idea about it, but like for me, you know, um I just I don't know what it is and you could disagree with me, but I just feel like the enemy he he could see us and he can kind of see like areas of gifting areas of, I don't know what it is, but then he like, like with preachers, let's just say preachers. I've heard so many that had a stutter growing up or that were, were mute, you know, had some kind of issue there or whatever. And then God called them to a public platform. They were stricken with fear. The last thing they wanted to do was be a pastor or be a public figure, or be a teacher or a preacher. Right. And they couldn't do it. They had the inability to do it. But then but then it was a part of their calling. You know yeah. what I mean? And then they had to break that fear. God had to bring, you know, a miraculous touch in their lives. And it's such a beautiful portrait of who God is and what he can do with a human being, you know, and his his power that is prevalent today. Like, as an area the enemy tried to take you out in, man. And God has brought so much glory to himself through this. And people can hear your story. May the redeemed of the Lord say so. People can now hear your story and be like, wow, if God could do it with that guy, then my dreams aren't impossible either. Yeah, it's not. And I can... I, you know, if, if anybody were to think, oh, there's something, you know, well, he probably has a special component that made that happen. It's like, no, it, it really mm-hmm. wasn't. In fact, you know, I think you have a similar uh, testimony. When I, when I first got, I was, I was, I got saved, like God changed my life completely, but my brain was fried yeah, dude, from all the here. drug use. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I actually, you know how you said some people grow up with a stutter. You know, most yeah. people, when you think of a stutter, you think of a verbal stutter. Mm-hmm. My brain stuttered. It had holes in its thoughts. Like I literally, my brain would sputter and go like, and there was, they weren't full thoughts. There was like, it was like empty spaces in between lines of thinking and so I, I thought to myself, like, man, like God's changed my life and, and I'm going to be walking on with him, but I'm going to be <laughs> I'm burnt out. Sure. Like it's like, that's the, you know, there's the damage is done. Mm-hmm. And then I remember my pastor's wife, she just said, memorize the word of God. It has healing power. And I just, I really devoted myself to scripture memorization. And the next and now it's like, I can't contain my thoughts. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't restrain them. Like it's, and, and people often when they encounter me, they, 
you know, or listen to me or hear my, or hear, you know, we're in my class, you're teaching different things like that. They're like, wow, you're so articulate. And then people think, oh, you just have this gift. Like you just have the gift for it. You're like one of those people that's specially given it. I was like, no, 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 no. No, it was actually a struggle in my life for years. It it is. (laughs) And the only it's, you go towards it. It wasn't some freely. Well, I shouldn't say it wasn't something freely given. It wasn't something that didn't come without cost or action. Sure. You know, it's, it's freely given in the sense that I, I couldn't earn it. Like, you know, God has, God has, has definitely united himself with that aspect of my life and made that alive in me. But, um, but it's not because I'm special, unique, or I had something, or I was some orator beforehand. Like I was a kid yeah. in the streets. Yeah. Like I didn't even speak English. Yeah. <laughs> like I spoke just criminal slang. Like everything that I, everything that I said was, 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 <laughs> n- it was not something that would bring clarity or illumination to the public. Sure. sure. You know, it was like, you'd have to be in the streets to know what I'm really talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's, um, so it, it really is a, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a testimony. So many things, especially when I look back, you just realize, and it'd be easy to not, unless you do take time to reflect for sure to, to miss some of the, the nuances or the, or the, the, the intricate details that only God can weave into a person's life. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. Jesus is so amazing. Yeah. For those who are listening right now, whatever your hang up is, whatever your weakness is, whatever um, has been declared over your life as a part of your calling and you feel inadequate, you feel like unqualified to do what God's called you to do or the dreams that he's given you. Just know you do not qualify yourself. It is a Lord who qualifies you. And it doesn't matter what your hang ups are, what your weaknesses are. God manifests his grace in our weaknesses. If we just yield ourselves to him, whatever's impossible for man is possible for God. And you will be a testimony and you will be a trophy of God's grace. You will be able to show forth the goodness of God, his activity in your life, how real he is that, you know, there's just, no, I just know in my life, there's so many things that God has uh, broken me free from that I struggled with that have now become strengths in my life that were once weaknesses. And it's only because of who God is in me. And um, I just, I just prophesy that over you. There's just, it doesn't matter what your weakness is. doesn't matter what your hangup is. doesn't matter what people have said about you. doesn't matter people, no matter what people have said to you. All that matters is what God says about your life. And he wants to be able to bring to fruition everything that he has planted inside of your heart. And he will do it. The scriptures say, and so bless you guys thank you so much for tuning into awaken podcast i just as we were rolling today i just felt like we needed to testify and dive deep into that the resurrected lord his power in our lives to transform no matter what the darkness is no matter what is taking place in our lives he is supernatural and he has transforming power that's why we serve him he is a living god he's not dead he's alive and so um my buddy gabe he's with me in studio and we are actually gonna on part two just tune in for the next episode part two we're gonna dive into what we wanted to initially you know we got to be led by the holy ghost right we got to be led by the holy spirit and i really felt that today so we're gonna dive into what we originally wanted to come and talk about today being a peacemaker and how we are to live as believers in the earth today and so bless you guys tune in the part two make sure to subscribe rate and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people and i'll talk to you guys next time on awaken podcast hello everybody michael lombardo here let me tell you about this amazing online store the hope filled journey 
Um, you definitely want to check that out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up an online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, full-time jobs, raising four small children. They stepped out in faith, and God is honoring it every step of the way. It's www.thehopefilledjourney.com. This is where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. You'll be able to find amazing clothes for spring, handmade jewelry. Their goal is to inspire faith through through their product line, as well as high quality in all they do and produce. Check it out. It's thehopefilledjourney.com. And also, if you, today, if you go, well, you got a promo code AWAKEN, promo code AWAKEN. If you go to the website, you can get 25% off of all full-priced items, and all orders over $60 will ship free. And so that's 25% off today, all full-priced items, and any orders, $60 or more, will ship free. And so make sure to go to the website, that is www.thehopefilledjourney.com, and make sure to use promo code AWAKEN.